So Facebook is now meta, and they're doubling down on the metaverse and virtual reality. What does it mean? What are the applications? What does that mean for the future of media and business? Today, we are speaking with Sean Evans, who is the co-founder of 1188 Films, Weed VR, and Occupied VR. Sean has been deeply involved in the virtual reality space for a number of years, and he's here today to talk to us all about the metaverse. Enjoy. All right, so really excited to be joined by Sean Evans today to talk about virtual reality and some elements of technology in general that as it pertains to sort of augmented reality, virtual reality. And as a starting point, Sean, we were just talking before starting here that virtual reality is a broad topic that a lot of people might think is sort of brand new. Other people might think, what is a good place to start? When you're thinking of what virtual reality is all about, and maybe even just some like practical business applications of, of how it works, what comes to mind? I'm a producer. I, I produce immersive content. You know, so a lot of my my understanding of it is around the sorts of things that I've made. It, it can make some really great content experiences. It also has you know some pretty profound applications in business and sort of like commercial uh, aerospace engineering, data visualization. You know, it's it's really sort of pretty wide reaching as a technology. I've mostly been focused on kind of like content and kind of creative stuff but the technology that has sort of some really wide-reaching applications. One thing that I think, I think anyways, a lot of people think about when it comes to virtual reality is that this is some very new emerging, where did it come from type of technology. But to hear you say it, this is something that has been sort of iterating and brewing for quite some time and been around in different forms for a while. Maybe expand upon that a bit. I think the technology has been around in functional forms since like the 80s or 90s. It sort of more lived in kind of like university prototypes and aerospace and uh, defense kind of engineering kind of stuff because it was a you know a very very expensive and and very sort of like single use hardware that was attached to very very expensive computers and kind of had very low fidelity and i think that we sort of reached a point with like cell phone screens and game engine technologies like unity unreal you know where you know everything kind of caught up to the point where you had a high enough resolution screen and it was cheap enough and it was sort of attached to a cheap enough computer that people had sort of development access to. And so you really kind of had this tipping point that happened around, say, like, you know, 2015 and that you began to have sort of like headsets that you could purchase and, you know, and there became a market for content that was created. And so, yeah, it's been around forever, but I think it's really kind of only been something that has emerged as sort of a form of media maybe in the past five or six years. So in that period of time, and obviously as somebody that works directly within this area and field, and you mentioned that a lot of your work pertains to sort of content and experiences, what are some of the types of products or projects that your company has worked on or developed over the years? One of the most recent large-scale projects that we produced uh, what is an immersive experience called The Holy City that is an exploration of the holiest sites in Jerusalem and, and events that, are, that occur at the holiest, those holy sites on their sort of holiest day of the year. So we took volumetric scans using hundreds of thousands of photographs and LIDAR scanners of all of the holiest sites in Jerusalem, sort of respect to each of the three major religions, uh, and recreated those in VR and then made sort of a narrative content experience that sort of takes you through each one of those locations. And we've had a because X, uh, like XR technology is kind of emerging, we've made a number of different adaptations of that to various headsets and platforms. We make content experiences like that that are sort of in a game engine format. We we also 
have made training applications for in, in a corporate sense where, you know, you use virtual reality as a medium to train someone as to a new process or bring awareness in terms of what they need to be doing as it relates to their job. Some really great creative opportunities and then also some really functional kind of uh, business related things where these new mediums sort of are very strong. So now I'm going to ask what is perhaps a bit of a dumb question, but I suspect there would be at least a couple people that listening might be asking themselves the same thing. So for instance, with the, the Holy City project that you worked on, I can make sense of the idea of gathering visuals and data from all these different sources to pull together that information to create these experiences. Then how does that come together and how does somebody actually enter that world? You mentioned like headsets. So for sure, I would imagine Oculus would be one of these. How does that part work? So where it comes together, in our case, uh, we used Unity as our development environment, uh, which is a technology that's used to build a bunch of things, largely games. It's a pretty powerful development environment. You know, there's lots of sort of great stuff that you can do in it. And we basically use that as the place to structure all the things that we had captured and kind of stitch it together into a narrative experience. You know, it's published then in a very similar way to that you would publish a game. So, you know, it's available on Steam. It's also available on various VR marketplaces like Viveport and the Oculus Store. So, you know, there's uh, lots of sort of different sort of distribution mechanisms that you can kind of put these things out. It's delivered as a digital product, you know, in a very similar way to the way that you would deliver a game kind of at this point. Cool. That's interesting and actually helpful to comprehend. Now, this is all part of the metaverse. And there's been a lot of talk about the metaverse of late, especially as it pertains to Facebook. Actually, at the day that we're recording this podcast, they just rebranded their name as Meta. I feel like for probably a lot of people, the metaverse is this abstract idea where it's maybe tricky to really wrap your head around what it is. So if you know, I ask you, what is the metaverse? What comes to mind? I think you can kind of think of it almost as if it's like, you know, a next generation of the internet so that, you know, people can kind of like make immersive spatial experiences and that, you know, places where you can kind of go and do things. So it allows you to sort of inhabit sort of a, a second digital life kind of, or have sort of like a persistent reality that that's sort of different than the reality that you're living in right now. And, and in a lot of ways, we kind of, you know, people's the way that people interact with video games, things like Minecraft or Fortnite, you know, where there's a, you know, you're embodied in the experience in some way. And those are sort of examples of metaverses. It's a bit like, I think, you know, in the way that people talk about, you know, we're talking about the internet in the 90s. It's kind of a very similar thing where people are talking about the metaverse now. But I think that that's sort of what the trajectory of the internet is, it, you know, over the next 10, 20 years. And a word that you've mentioned that sort of jumps to mind when I think of this is immersive, that it becomes more and more of an immersive experience and more sophisticated. And as more data is sort of like aggregated and pulled into this, then you can create more real world experiences. And so I'm wondering when you're just thinking out six months, 12 months, two years sort of thing, where do you feel the metaverse is headed in more of the short term? You know, right now, there's there's a lot of different and kind of segmented metaverses. You know, you have places where people go and do things, you know, things like Roblox, you know, but they're, they're essentially, there isn't sort of like any transportability of, of things between these various metaverses. I think that, that, you know, the emerging technologies that are kind of most exciting are the things that allow, you know, portability of items from, from metaverse to metaverse, you know, the, the thoughts of open metaverses, you know, like we are essentially in, in the production of something like the Holy City, we're making a custom metaverse. We're making a, a little Jerusalem that you can inhabit and perform activities in. The thought of kind of like these things being interconnected, that's sort of the most exciting thing in terms of sort of the trajectory of where, where the, the metaverse is headed. 
Is that when you say the open metaverse, is that what that would mean? That you can sort of shift from one world to the next and, and more like malleability or? I think it still feels very much like the internet, in, you know, 1997 or something like that. It's still yet to be defined. I think, you know, Facebook has kind of made a, bitty, pretty, a pretty big kind of like uh, strategic or play into sort of the metaverse and sort of the concept of that. But I, I think it represents sort of a trajectory towards the future of the internet. And I think that these virtual spaces and these activities in these virtual spaces are very meaningful to people. And it's, you know, places for people to do things, also places for people to spend money and to own things, create things. You know, it's, it, there's a lot of really exciting possibilities. So that's actually a nice segue. My next question is just, how do you feel the metaverse will affect how we interact with the real world around us? I think in a lot of ways, there's a metaverse that's all around us right now. We live in kind of this sea of data. We just don't necessarily visualize it or experience it in a spatial way. I think like the the coming of kind of like AR, even things like the Apple AirPods with sort of the spatial audio and the opportunity to listen to spatial audio and Apple Music, it sort of stepped towards kind of a, a spatially aware reality. So, you know, you can have interaction with digital objects and physical objects or have objects that are sort of have a combined sort of reality in this future, you know? So there's like some exciting opportunities for the overlay of the digital into our reality. It remains to be seen, you know, in terms of what comes next in terms of Apple's AR strategy or, you know, who's the first to the gate with that. But uh, there's some really exciting sort of possibilities in that future. And when you're thinking of the overlay between digital and the real world, what are some of the most I guess, obvious business applications that jump out to you? Where do you see there being certain industries or companies that are primed and positioned to really sort of capitalize on this blend that will take place? You know, there's already sort of some pretty strong use cases in architecture and engineering, in medical use cases, people performing surgeries sort of with, uh, you know, information that's accessible, you know, being able to look at a 3D scan well performing spinal surgery on somebody. Like these are all kind of like real world kind of use cases. They're sort of, again, kind of like on the end of the curve of kind of like the higher end hardware and you know software costs and all that sort of stuff. I think that eventually you're going to have sort of the trickle down of those aspects of those kinds of technologies be accessible to general sort of consumers. Like same way that you sort of like interact with say like your Apple Watch or that they're just sort of going to be different and more spatial experiences and things that are sort of contextually aware and you know sort of thing. So it's a, uh, it's a really sort of exciting time. And if we're sort of future gazing a little bit and thinking about where this might be in sort of five years, 10 years, once it's maybe adopted more widely and it has more time to sort of become even more sophisticated, where do you think that's headed? Well, I think the sky's the limit. I don't even really try to think too hard about, you know, 10 years from now. I'm more just sort of trying to figure out next week, <laughs> but it's really sort of an exciting time. You know, there's another production that we're working on is an immersive virtual reality experience and it's called Winter Over that uses AI to determine a branching narrative, essentially. So that you can imagine uh, an animated film that you're in, that your interactions with that film change the course of the trajectory of the experience, like as as if you, you are watching a different movie, you know, characters that react differently to you, deliver different lines of dialogue. We're using natural language processing. So you talk into it. And then the, the characters in the, in the game state sort of respond to your vocal responses. And it's a dynamic about a family. One of the family members has made the decision to go to Mars. 
And the game engine keeps an emotional matrix, if you will, like a score, if you're as to uh, whether you're, you know, to the state of your family dynamic and the environment changes. So you have changes in terms of like a messy house versus a clean house, the lighting changes, you know, everything that sets the emotional tone and mood uh, is determined by that branching that gets created by your input to it. And I think really, you know, we've just kind of scratched the surface of it. There's just beginning to have sort of access to things like Google's natural language processing, technologies like Charisma.ai, which is the branching narrative story engine that we're using that are all things that you can kind of plug into this storytelling that happens when you're making things in a game engine with the intention of, you know, creating little metaverses and that sort of thing. There's going to be a lot more of that, you know, and there's going to be some really cool creative work that happens that we can't even really sort of envision what it's going to be like, but I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Cool. Well, two questions left for you. And the first one you're kind of talking about a little bit because it sounds like you're very excited about where all this is headed and, you know, you have, and your company has the ability to sort of shape some of these things, which also must be exciting. So given the work that you're doing and the types of projects that you're working on, what are you most excited about moving forward? I'm really excited about sort of the advent of 5G and that, you know, there's now the possibility of, you know, streaming you know, there's a lot of these sort of lightweight mobile devices, but uh, there's the capacity now to be able to stream high resolution, you know, almost PC or server-based VR experiences uh, using technologies like NVIDIA's Cloud XR to lightweight mobile devices. And, you know, that's something that's probably, you know, in terms of mass adoption is, is a couple years out, but uh, I think it's a really sort of exciting possibility and really sort of extends the capability of, you know, what people can do with their phones and what people can do with their lightweight sort of uh, mobile VR uh, devices, things like the Oculus Quest, XR in the cloud, if you will. It's kind of like one of the most exciting things that uh, I think is pending. There's a new thing every day, you know, <laughs> that pops up as it relates to this world. I think that's what, what keeps it interesting. That is interesting. And when you're talking about sort of the ability to do a very nuanced, difficult surgery and have VR that would, would help that surgeon perform better, that is interesting when you're talking about you know, from an engineering perspective, designing buildings or certain functions, things like that are are really, really interesting. And you can see some real world applications. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you wonder about, and we've seen this with the internet in general. I mean, you talked about this being sort of an extension of the internet with social media. You've seen that, you know, there's issues around disinformation or other challenges that have emerged. So I'm wondering as it pertains to VR, is there anything that you're worried about that it gets in the wrong hands, that it's used the wrong way, that it is adopted in fashions that's maybe not intended to? Is there any aspect of it that leaves you with any sense of concern? Absolutely. Like, it's a really potent medium. It's, in a way, when you watch a movie and when you experience something in VR, it's almost like you're lighting up a different part of your brain. You know, it's something where you remember it as an experience as opposed to remembering it as something that you saw or read. So in that sense, those experiences can be very powerful and they can kind of shape people's consciousness. And there's certainly a responsibility in terms of content to be able to sort of like be cognizant and aware of that. But there's both opportunities for, for amazing good and amazing bad. These tools could be used to shape, you know, people's consciousness in really negative ways as well. But uh, I think we have to be mindful of that as creators and, and kind of understand that it, you're not making something that somebody's going to see. You're, you're making, making something that somebody's going to feel and experience. And you almost have sort of a greater responsibility to that. No doubt. That is really fascinating. And it makes you wonder, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of conversation now around regulation with social media. And you wonder how this will just continue to evolve and what will happen with this as it 
continues to emerge. But you've definitely been super helpful in just bringing this down to earth a little bit and taking uh, what is sometimes an abstract topic and making it a little bit more relatable and uh, understandable. So really appreciate your time today. And uh, thanks for all of the information that you've shared with us. Okay, well, thank you for having me. Hope you enjoyed today's discussion and that it shed a little bit more light on the future of meta and the metaverse and virtual reality. For more information on Sean Evans, you can check out his website, 1188.com. And for all things related to digital marketing and technology, check out theinfluenceagency.com or follow us online at Influence Agency. We'll see you next time.